When did you first become a BTS fan? So I remember the moment is when I watched the music video for Not Today. And I was blown away. <laughs> so, was it the dance moves? What was it? It was everything all together. I, was I like, mean, their choreography oh, is amazing. Yeah, this is like a movie. No, no, no. It took that one video and I was like, okay, I've been hearing about this group. I know that they're gaining popularity, but now I really have to like sit down and figure out who these people are. <laughs> the people Michelle Cho is referring to are the international superstars who form the group BTS. It's a Korean boy band with more than 20 million fans around the world. So many of BTS's fans can't even understand their songs. And yet, their music and choreography and style seem to strike a chord anyway. The group's been in the news often this summer because of its socially conscious and very active fan base, called the BTS Army. But a military requirement for the actual South Korean Army could mean the musical group is on the verge of, for lack of a better word, disbanding. I'm Malika Bilal, and today we're bringing you what we call a quick take. A story that's trending and one that you, our listeners, are talking about. For this one, I called on Professor Michelle Cho in Toronto. I'm an assistant professor of East Asian popular cultures at University of Toronto. And I am a K-pop fan and scholar of South Korean film and media. We wanted to talk about BTS because they're all over social media right now. The group just dropped a single today. That's a huge part of the chatter. But there's also conversation about the military and whether BTS will have to break up because of mandatory military service. It's a really interesting thing that K-pop as a industry and K-pop fan culture, correspondingly, is always affected by geopolitics because the Korean War is not over. Seventy years after the start of the Korean War, the continent remains divided. They fought for three years until the signing of a ceasefire. But a ceasefire is not a binding peace treaty. It only ended the fighting. South Korean President Moon Jae-in says the signing of a peace treaty must be pursued after an end to the war is declared. As a consequence, all biologically male Korean citizens are required to serve in the military. So it doesn't really matter if you're a celebrity. You have to serve in this way. What do you think the world will lose if BTS needs to disband because of this mandatory military service? I think BTS has been really important because they are Asian bodies who are presented in the same space as mainstream North American pop and hip-hop artists. And that just doesn't happen. And so that's been important, I think, politically and for a lot of fans who often feel marginalized by mainstream Western popular culture. So, yeah, I think that that is something of a loss. If they were to disband, what does that mean for the BTS army, what their fans are known as? So one thing that I've noticed about ARMY is that they're animated by the group's message, which is one of inclusivity and sticking by your friends. And so I think that ARMY would 
continue to operate even while the band is on hiatus and even if the group didn't come back in the same form. That army is also like this grassroots organization on its own and they have power. The army flooded social media with BTS content to drown out white supremacist or racist posts using the hashtag White Lives Matter. The Dallas Police Department put out a call for people to report, quote, illegal activity from the protests via its iWatch Dallas app. But instead, K-pop fans took the opportunity to spam the app with fan cams. South Korean boy band BTS has donated $1 million to Black Lives Matter. BTS and Big Hit Entertainment's donation inspired fans so much that on Saturday they set a match a million goal. And by Sunday night, they made it happen. Why do you think it is that BTS is so popular in social justice circles? They are a group that have been talking about inequity and social prejudices in the Korean context since their inception. That's really one of the ways that they kind of define themselves as a group. You know, Pangtan Sonindan, that's their Korean name. It means, I mean, when you translate it into English, it sounds kind of cutesy, the bulletproof Boy Scouts. <laughs> but the intention behind that name is really to be a sort of shield for their fans against the pressures and negative expectations that people have of young people. And so that overall message really invites fans to become more aware and engaged in what's going on in their respective societies, politically and socially. So you mentioned the Bulletproof Boy Scouts. Are there specific songs that speak to this? So one of the tracks that I've seen mentioned quite a bit is a track that the leader of the group, RM, recorded when a American rapper, Wale, and so the track is called Change. And they actually talk about how society needs to change. <laughs> so it's actually very directly related to police brutality and the unfair treatment of people on the basis of skin color. So that's a track that I hear about a lot. So it's, again, it's called Change. The group has a couple of tracks that are from earlier albums. One is called No, N-O. And they're talking about the way that Korean society is really unfairly organized through ageism. So, so young people really are suppressed in what they are allowed to do and say because the school system in South Korea is so unfair in a lot of ways. So there are actually a lot of individual tracks in BTS's discography that address some of the issues that, that we've been talking about in terms of, you know, young people sort of taking up their place in society by being agents of change. Professor Cho says people around the world relate to these songs because their themes are universal. She says knowing a bit of Korean history helps put into context why the group's songs resonate at home. South Korea has a really interesting history until the beginning of the 20th century, really. It was a feudal society. It was ruled by caste, right? Then it's a country that underwent a period of colonial occupation and then post-colonial authoritarianism. And then as a democracy, it's actually quite young. And that 
shift came about through popular protest and uprising. So South Koreans really think about how important it is for everyday people to really take seriously their responsibility as citizens. And she says North American fans relate to BTS's values because of a shared idea that you have to fight for your rights. What we're seeing in North America is a dawning realization on the part of broad swaths of the population that you can't take for granted your rights in a society. You have to protect them. So this is a message that is really compatible with what BTS have been talking about for a while. And while the group, when they're talking about their local context, may not be talking about histories of violence or injustice that have to do with racialization, I think that they are pretty earnest in their support of a cause like Black Lives Matter. Actually, BTS have been criticized for appropriating Black popular culture. But I think what fans appreciate about BTS is that they are very, very open to learning from moments in which they get called out. Final question. Do you have a favorite song? Yes. My favorite song in BTS's discography is called Spring Day. It's more of a ballad and it has this gorgeous, gorgeous music video. But I love this song because I think it really captures something about what it feels like to be young and trying to make your way in a confusing world. I think it is really helpful in these times that are so uncertain, no matter what your age, in offering some comfort while acknowledging that there's a lot of sadness and loss happening right now. Professor Michelle Cho, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey, with me, Malika Bilal, as well as Dina Kispe, Abigail Oni-Wohancha, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, and Amy Walters. Natalia Aldana manages our Twitter and Instagram pages. Check them out at AJ The Take. Alex Roldan is our team sound designer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 